You want us to go to Dallas? Yeehaw! Actually, a town called Chaney, about 50 miles south of there, population 361. By all accounts, very rustic and charming, but as of late, ground zero, the locust, for a series of mysterious nocturnal exsanguinations. Exsanguinations? Of whom? How does that grab you? It's a... Dead cow. Exactly. Or more specifically, a dead 900-pound whole sand. Its body completely drained of blood, as was this one, this one, this one, this one, so on. Six, all in all, approximately one a week over the past six weeks. Is there any sign of... Two small puncture wounds on the neck? That's not what I was going to ask. Too bad. We got him. Check it out. Welcome back to Thank Fucking God It's Friday. I'm Katie, and I'm here with another guest this week, Vanessa from the Not Another X-Files podcast podcast. Hello, it's so good to be here. Yes, and this week we're talking about a show that was devised after its creator read a report by a Harvard professor that said 3.7 million Americans claim to have been abducted by aliens. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) That is such a huge number. I have a friend who has a podcast about um, UFO, alien, whatever encounters, and I have to say, I think the number might be growing as mind-boggling as that is. Like, Yeah. I mean, this number is as of the early 90s or late yeah. 80s, I would presume. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How many more millions of people have been abducted in the last 30 years? Apparently a lot, <laughs> according <laughs> to my friend who has this podcast. Wow. Yeah. It's definitely not something that I've encountered. I don't know anybody who thinks that they've been abducted, but you know, I don't either personally. No. (laughs) Well, before we get into talking about the show, I mean, your show is about the X-Files, so this is perfect. Yes. Do you want to talk a little bit about it? Yeah, absolutely. So my podcast, one of the podcasts that I have is, yes, focused on the X-Files. And my friend Carolyn and I watch an episode and then we podcast about it. We point out all the ridiculousness. We ship Mulder and Scully. We sometimes sing songs. We're just ridiculous and we have a lot of fun doing it. So um, we're both longtime X-Files fans and uh, it's been a lot of fun over the past like five years. I can't believe it. Yeah. Uh, You guys (laughs) are already on season eight. Yeah. Season eight. And we're almost done with season eight and then we'll be on season nine. And we already did, for those of you who know uh, or don't know, there was a revival of two seasons in 2016 and 2018 or 20. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, we've already done those. So when we're done with season nine, we won't know what to do anymore. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird to have a show basically have like a stopping point. Yeah. Very, very weird. What made you want to start a podcast about the X-Files? Well, I actually didn't start it from the very beginning. It's funny because it was my co-host and friend, Carolyn, and my husband who actually started it. And they, uh, my husband hadn't seen X-Files. And so that was supposed to be kind of the whole thing was he hadn't seen it. And Carolyn had. Um, And 
I was a guest on like the third episode or something, third and fourth episode, I think. And then they asked me if I wanted to be a co-host. So I was a co-host for a while with the three, sorry, the two of them, three of us total. And uh, my husband eventually decided that he didn't really like the X-Files, which fair (laughs) enough, fair enough. And he already had a podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer that he was enjoying more. And so Carolyn and I kept going and my husband decided to just stick with his Buffy podcast, which is an amazing podcast. So, you know, no hard feelings. What's the name of that one? Uh, It's called Tiny Fences. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I joined the team, so to speak, a little bit later, but um, that was still like five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just, wow. Can't believe it. Crazy. Time yeah. flies. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> what did you love about the show originally? Oh, man. So I watched it when I was in, originally when I was in middle school uh, and then into high school. And I think it was in high school that I like watched the whole thing on Netflix DVDs. And I think a big part of it was the connection between Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny. And that's a really big thing for me still. Uh, Their chemistry is like unparalleled. Like, yeah, (laughs) I'm in season eight right now where they're trying to where they kind of replace Mulder for a bit. And that was because David Duchovny didn't. It's so hard to watch. And David Duchovny didn't want to be a regular on the show anymore. He didn't want to be one of the main people anymore. So he's only on a few episodes in season eight. And they have these other characters that come in and Scully or Gillian Anderson just doesn't have the same chemistry with them and I'm actually enjoying it more than I remember enjoying it that is season eight uh in high school and middle school but uh I'm still just kind of like you know pout pout there's no more <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I think that's a big thing for me when I was in middle school I remember going through this phase of like thinking aliens and abductions were really cool so when I kind of discovered the x-files I was like awesome there's aliens and stuff you know but right now <laughs> that's not like the biggest thing for me because especially going through what they call the myth arc, which is the whole story about the aliens and the shadowy government and all that stuff. It just gets so convoluted and it's hard to follow, even yeah. when I, even though I've seen the series, the series like <laughs> multiple times. <laughs> I so. agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't watch the show when it originally aired. My parents mm-hmm. did. And I would remember them watching it downstairs sometimes, but always being way too scared to also watch it. Yeah. So, yeah, I was just, like, scared to watch it. And then I used to collect TV shows on DVD, like, you know, in college and right after college. And I needed a new show to watch. My mom was like, I think you would really like The X-Files. And I was nervous, but I bought it and watched it and just, like, devoured the whole thing. Like, start to finish, probably, like, twice in a row. Nice. It was so good. I loved it so much. And I especially loved Mulder and Scully together as well. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, you've actually been on our podcast. And I remember you telling us your X-Files origin story, as we call it, uh, about watching it in college and stuff. And it's actually yeah. really common people being like, my parents used to watch it, but they didn't let me watch it. <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was that I wasn't allowed. I think I was just too scared. That is also a common thing that we hear. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But hey, fair enough. I mean, especially when you think about like, you know, you look back at like season one, season two, season three, and you're like, it's so 90s. It's so like achingly 90s. But at the same time, it's freaky. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like there are still episodes where I am really creeped out and I've seen them. I don't know how many times 
by now. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> I mean, it's legit. Like, it's legit scary. <laughs> yes, I definitely think that. <laughs> well, to talk a little bit about the show specifically. Yes. Um, the X-Files was a sci-fi drama starring David Duchovny as Fox Mulder and Gillian Anderson as Dana Scully. They are two FBI agents tasked with investigating a class of cases called X-Files, which have an unusual and or explain unexplainable nature. And Mulder usually purports that there's some sort of paranormal answer. And I think <laughs> this is partially because he saw his sister get abducted when they were children and she was never found. And then... Scully, yeah. meanwhile, is um, <laughs> kind of providing that scientific explanation. She has a medical background and just kind of a tendency to be skeptical. And she's even skeptical after she herself gets abducted. There's a lot of yep. ab abductions, as you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, she actually is tasked in the first episode, the pilot, with discrediting Fox Mulder's uh, paranormal theories. So that's how she gets on the X-Files. And it just kind of goes from there. And, you know, we have this, uh, not to get too much into like the nitty gritty, but we have, you know, these two people who are seemingly completely opposite and they go on this journey for many, many years where they start to realize that they're actually maybe more alike. And, you know, Carolyn and I, we just, we ship them. So we're always like, and they're in love, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting because Scully is religious. So, yeah. you know, that's kind of the opposite of how she I guess, approaches these X-Files is that yeah. she has this skepticism, but she doesn't use that same skepticism with her faith. And so mm -hmm. there's kind of that parallel. Yeah. And an ongoing battle between faith and uh, faith in the paranormal, faith in God, how those two things are possibly alike or how they aren't alike. It's a huge part of Scully's character. So yeah. Yeah, that's a good thing to point out. And Mulder, um, it's funny because Scully does more of a transition from being skeptic to a little bit more believer over the 11 seasons and two movies now. And Mulder doesn't do as much of a transition as she does, but he does. He's always scientific minded and he gets really jaded. And so after a while, he starts to say things like, oh, this is just you know, there's a scientific explanation for this and it's like pretty uncharacteristic of Mulder. And so his uh, science-y nature and his belief, shall we say, do also get questioned. Like they do come into conflict sometimes. So, but Scully has more of that, I think, than Mulder does. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. And like you said, the show did have two movies. It originally ran for nine seasons on Fox from September 1993 through May 2002 there was a movie in 1998. So I think, was it between seasons five and six? Yes. And it was between uh, the production moved from Vancouver, where I used to live here in Canada, to Los Angeles. And so they made a movie and it was filmed in L.A. So, OK. Yeah. Yeah. And that is called The X-Files or The X-Files Fight the Future. And it's so Good. It's a really good movie, like legit standalone, really good sci-fi movie. Yeah, and I I'm really not like just saying it. that. Yeah, <laughs> I cannot say the same for the second movie that was released in 2008. <laughs> you know what? I actually haven't seen it, which is oh yeah. I think I just 
in 2008, I was in university. It had been a while since I had seen X-Files. I think it just wasn't on my radar during that time. And so now it's kind of fun because if we do cover it for the podcast, I will be seeing it with fresh eyes. So yeah, that's pretty cool. I actually yeah. saw it in the theaters. <laughs> oh, wow. I saw Fight the Future in the theater. So oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. 2008 was after I had finished the whole series. So yeah, definitely. It worked out. And it's called I Want to Believe, even though it has nothing to do with aliens, which I think is just the stupidest and most misleading thing. <laughs> you are not alone. I have heard <laughs> this from many people. And I've kind of made it a point to not look too much into what it's about, just because I would really like to. I'm pretty sure we're going to cover it on the podcast. So I would really like to look at it with a fresh perspective. Um, yeah. Well, I'm not going to spoil it for you. That's okay. literally all I had to say about it. <laughs> cool. Yeah, no, that's cool. I mean, some things have been spoiled, but yeah. And like you mentioned earlier, they had two more seasons that aired recently in 2016 and 2018. And both mm -hmm. of those had the original cast, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I actually haven't seen all of those episodes. I want to say the last one I saw was the one with... Um, it, it's the one where the guy is like, I used to be your partner. Oh. Oh, my God. I'm blanking on that one. So it was season 11, episode four, The Lost Art of Forehead Sweat. It was the Mandela oh. Effect one. That is actually a great episode. Like, yeah. there are a few standalone episodes that were really, really good in both of those seasons, especially in season 11. Like, there are a few that... Um, I don't know if I'd put them in my like favorite episodes of all time, but they're definitely good episodes. And that was one of them. And yeah, we actually did an interview with him on our podcast, which was really fun uh, with Brian Husky. So you should go check it out. <laughs> Little plug. Yeah, no, I really find the Mandela effect fascinating. Mm. Like, I feel like it's just a constant thing. <laughs> yeah. And so it was an interesting episode for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. And it's funny. There's some good Super funny. some parts that are really funny. Yeah. <laughs> but back to the original run, the show is basically known for its mix of monster of the week type episodes and ones that center around a mythology that developed over the entire series, which you kind of alluded to a little bit before. Yes. The mythology is centered around a government conspiracy that is covering up the existence of extraterrestrials. There's a group of men called the Syndicate that act as a liaison with an alien race, and they intend to enslave humans by infecting them with a virus called the Black Oil, which is just the freakiest thing to see on your screen. And we still don't understand it. We're on season eight and we still don't understand it. Like <laughs> they keep changing how it works. They keep changing how it infects people. It's just like they're hoping that nobody notices. And we're always like, wait, how does this work again? It's yeah. Yeah. I feel like it was one of those things that was definitely changing throughout the different seasons. Yes. Which is fine, but they don't really address that it's changing. It's not like like once in a while they're like, oh, it might have mutated. But most of the time it's just. We're like, wait, I thought that when it, you know, it used to be green alien goo and now it's black oil. And then like, when, <laughs> you know, the green stuff used to burn a hole in your shoe and now it doesn't do anything when people touch it. Like, it's just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, whatever. Yeah. I just find it gross. It is but very gross. 
And that group, the syndicate, they are simultaneously working against the aliens, I think. They're developing soldiers who aren't affected by the virus, as well as a vaccine. Yes. I think that's one of those things that they don't really focus on that much, and it's just kind yeah. of, like, mentioned. <laughs> yeah, it's confusing, and I'm not sure that I have a correct answer. I don't know if many files, as in P-H-I-L-E-S, as, as you know, X-Files fans are called, uh, I don't know if many of us can really explain it. And then there are other aliens who are trying to stop the invasion, and yes. I think they're the ones who, like, take out the syndicate and... You know, that's where it all gets just very confusing for me. Yep. One of the main members of the syndicate, though, is the cigarette smoking man played by William B. Davis. He is named for the fact that he is basically always smoking cigarettes. Fun fact about the actor, he had quit smoking a number of years before he was cast. And so they made him smoke like herbal cigarettes. So there was no nicotine in them. So he couldn't get addicted again. But that's just kind of a fun fact. <laughs> I read that he actually did smoke cigarettes for the first two seasons and then went to the herbal ones. That might be true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he definitely has mentioned it in numerous like interviews and stuff. So and, you know, he's kind of running things from the shadow government side he's i think the one who puts in place alex krychek who for mm -hmm. a while is Mulder's partner while scully is abducted right yes i think that's when he shows up yeah yeah well in real life jillian anderson was on maternity leave yes that's right so yeah there's a few other people like that there's that one woman whose name i can never remember the blonde woman marita Kovarubius. Sure. <laughs> That's her name. <laughs> and yeah, she's interesting. She's also kind of like working behind the scenes in a shadowy way. Yeah, she's um, one of those other people as well. I mean, Krychek as well, who I feel like I just get confused by their motivations the whole time. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like this show is a lot of like who serves who, who does what this person serves this person and then now doesn't anymore. It's very confusing. And I don't know if it's like, if they did it on purpose to be confusing or if they just lost track of what was going on or if they just kind of maybe didn't care that much because we didn't live in a binge culture when it was really big. And so you had to wait every week for a new episode and they were just kind of like, eh, hopefully people will forget about that. And <laughs> yeah, the binge thing is a, a good point like there's so many tv shows especially these 90s ones that we're watching where there are you know continuity errors there are just <laughs> yeah. like random people on the sides of the screen because when oh. it originally aired it was a different aspect ratio yep so i don't know there's just all this stuff that people are like well it's just gonna air once maybe in syndication blah 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 no, it doesn't matter and now we're just like sitting here literally analyzing every second of these shows it. <laughs> yes yes so true i guess they didn't yeah. see that coming mm. <laughs> and so on the fbi side of things Mulder and scully report to assistant director walter skinner who is played by mitch pelegi and over time, he becomes their friend and ally. But there's so many different times when they don't trust him. Oh, yeah. Like throughout the series, like he'll literally be, literally be their friend. And then they're like, but I don't know about him. 
Yeah, it's very true. Like right now we're in a uh, point like in season eight where um, he's helping them out and he's definitely an ally. And uh, sometimes we joke around and we're like, he's Papa Skinner. <laughs> like he's like, you know, their dad, which is also weird because we ship Mulder and Scully. So don't don't ask. We also don't know how that works. But um, <laughs> yeah, so right now he's in a like he's helping them. And I'm sure that could change in yeah. one episode. Well, the episode of your podcast that I was on for was Hollywood AD, which was a pretty big Skinner episode in that uh, he goes like full Hollywood and there's that hilarious scene where they're all taking baths. Oh, and I on love the phone so together <laughs> yeah and it does like the three-way split screen because they're all yeah. in their own bathtub and oh it's so good yeah and Mulder and Scully are basically lying about what they're doing and then Skinner's like I'm taking a bath yep yep <laughs> so good uh, I actually really love Skinner he's a great character and he's one of the characters where there's that kind of back and forth and it doesn't annoy me as much as some of the other characters yeah in fact like when it starts to be like they're like oh we don't know if we trust him anymore suddenly i start rooting for skinner and i'm like no he's a good guy you should trust him like (laughs) so yeah and then kind of helping them as well and i don't have like you know a ton of notes about them but we have the lone gunman they're very critical especially in the beginning it's a group of three guys who are basically conspiracy theorists and they're really good with technology and stuff, so they're always kind of helping them break into a place or whatever it is. Yep, Carolyn and I are big fans. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. they have their own very short-lived spinoff called The Lone Gunman. <laughs> Which we covered as well. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. Yeah? It was very funny. It was clever. It was uh, a nice, you know, like, break from the X-Files while still being in sort of an X-Files universe somewhat. It was it was fun. Nice. So I think you kind of alluded to this a little bit, but are you more of a fan of the Monster of the Week episodes or the mythology? Oh, man, I think I am definitely more of a fan of the Monster of the Week episodes. Um, I really like it when you have a crossover between the two. And actually, in the X-Files, it doesn't happen often because most of the time it's a Monster of the Week and everybody kind of just forgets about all the alien conspiracy weird stuff for that episode or those few episodes. And then you'll have a myth arc episode and it's like, wait, what was happening again? You have to like go back and like read a summary of the last myth arc episode and whatever, because you just, they go for episodes without talking about that background stuff. And so that frustrates me about the myth arc, but the monster of the weeks are fun because they're just so much more creative. There isn't all that myth arc stuff to bog you down And there are some really funny ones, too, like really, really well-written episodes. So, yeah. What are your favorite and least favorite monsters of the week? Oh, my goodness. Uh, She did not tell me she was going to ask me this. Okay. Uh, (laughs) My favorite episode of all time is Triangle. And I love that one, too. It's uh, season six, I think, which is like the best season, in my opinion. Season six is so good. And basically, there's like a weird time loop thing where they end up in back in time and Scully and Mulder are on this ship and Mulder realizes that he's Mulder, but Scully doesn't realize she's Scully and he sees her and he's like, Scully. And she's like, how are you? And she like hits him or something. I don't remember exactly what what happens. But um, (laughs) it's a great episode because it's just so well done and it's funny. I love it. Um... And it's not really like a monster of the week. The paranormal stuff or whatever is the time loop 
the, yeah, the yeah. going back in time thing. But it's just such a great episode. And it um, fits into that bucket. Yep, it totally does. It fits into the like not myth arc. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I mean, least favorite. Uh, oh, there's this one in season, I want to say three. And I always blank out about what it's called or I blank out on the name because it's so gross. There's like these pustules that like explode. It's gross. And I always forget what it's called because <laughs> I just can't stand it. It's really disgusting. Yeah, that sounds gross. Yeah, there's also an episode called Three, which I believe is in season one or two, and it's about vampires, and it's really bad. Oh. <laughs> but we had a really fun time covering it, so if you go way back on our podcast, you can find it, and it's 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 pretty funny. It's it, We're crazy. And yeah, I think those are the ones that I probably don't like as much, and I, there's more episodes that I really do like. In fact, one of the ones we're going to talk about today is one of my favorites as well. How about you? So... My favorite X-Files episodes are the funny ones mm -hmm. because I just like comedy in general. And so the one of the episodes that we watched is definitely one of my favorite ones. And I mean, my least favorite for sure is the flukeworm. <laughs> like, that's just disgusting. It's gross. But I'm trying to think if there's another one that I really, really hate like that. I guess Home would be one of those, too, mm. which I read was the first, like, network TV show to get a TV MA rating. I think that's right. And it also was banned from, I think they play it now if they ever play reruns, but they definitely banned it for a long time. Yeah. Which is really interesting. Rightfully so. It's really disgusting. It's disgusting. It's disturbing. But it also has some really great moments. So it's kind of <laughs> like... Uh, overall, I it's a classic, you know, it's one of those ones that like, it's just so classic X-Files, but yeah. And I think a lot of those episodes that people um, really love are written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong or Vince Gilligan. And a lot of them are directed by Kim Manners, who directed many X-Files episodes and were, he was so good. Also, David Duchovny is quite the writer. He has some really yeah. good episodes and um, he has some really good books out there, too. So, yeah, I haven't read them, but I've definitely seen them. I just listened to Miss Subways as an audiobook and he's reading it and it's hard not to think of him as Mulder reading a story, <laughs> <laughs> but it's also really good. Like, I definitely recommend it. Nice. Yeah. So are there any specific episodes that really scared you when you first saw them? I mean, you've been watching this since you were like a teenager, so. Yeah, you know, the first episode that I really remember watching was, oh, I'm so bad with names. It wasn't Aubrey. That's, I always think it's Aubrey and that's not it. Excelsi's Day, I think is what it was called. And it's about ghosts that are in this like, or like, I want to say retirement home, but like, yeah, retirement home, I guess. And I remember being fascinated by it, but also super freaked out because ghosts are scary. <laughs> yeah. So that was probably one of them, at least when I was younger. Now I watch it and I'm like, OK, whatever. But for me, the one that always comes to mind and it's something that I think about just like day to day sometimes is tombs. Mm. So he's the one I'm pretty sure it's tombs, right? He's the one who can like fit through like yep. air vents and stuff. Yep. Yeah. So that idea just freaked me out, especially Definitely. like right out of college living by myself for the first time. I was just like, oh, my gosh, tombs is going to come in here. Yes, <laughs> that one's super creepy. Is there anything about the show in general that you don't think holds up today? <laughs> 
Oh, yes, I do. (laughs) Where should I even start? The show did a lot of things that would not hold up today. And some people might say, well, that's just being politically correct. And I kind of feel like, like, I guess I'll just say the example, appropriating other cultures to make them scary. Yeah, Um, they do do that a lot. Yeah. So the writers and Chris Carter really took a lot of folklore from different communities of people who were not European, who weren't white, usually. And they went, oh, you know, that could be really twisted in a way that's really scary. And I get it. It definitely makes for entertaining TV, but it also really reduces those cultures down to entertainment for, let's be honest, mostly white people, affluent white people who can watch TV, right? And yeah. uh, that does not hold up today. Like, I mean, I loved um, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, but at the same time, there was the whole storyline of her mother being a Native American oh, played by great. a white blonde woman. And I was like, no, like, this is not okay. And it wasn't funny. Like, that stuff wasn't funny to me, because, especially because there were Native Americans and Indigenous people out there saying, this is not funny. And I'm like, if they don't think it's funny, then it's not funny. I'm sorry. Yeah. And so when it comes to X-Files, I'm like, okay, I get it. It was the 90s. Uh, but then even in season 10 and 11, they had things that were problematic. Like, they had uh, an episode in season 10, I think it was season 10, with um, somebody who was supposed to be transgender and she was depicted as a sex worker and addicted to drugs. And oh, it's like, geez. that was just like, did they have to do that? Really? Yeah, no, that is a really good, both of those are really good examples. And I think you're right on the money with the culture. They do that a lot. Yeah. I'm remembering like, I want to say an episode where there's maybe like some African stuff or something. And there's an episode called Toliko that had a lot of African yeah, mythology that, that was reduced down to it being scary. And then there was one early, early on called Shapes, I think. And it was about um, Native American shape-shifting lore. And it was filmed here in Vancouver, Canada, and they hired local indigenous actors, which is pretty cool. But it's also kind of like, I feel like they probably had thoughts (laughs) about what they were depicting and they were probably just like, well, this is a job for us, you know, but it's also like, eh. I don't know. I can't speak for them. I cannot speak for them, but I just, as a person who's studied a lot of this kind of stuff, especially in my communication degree, it's like, uh, awkward. Yeah. And I have one last question. Okay. And that is, do you believe? Oh, good question. Oh my God. Um, that's, Wow. Yeah. I, I'm not sure right now. I kind of go back and forth. I have periods in my life where I'm like, yeah, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's unexplained. Actually, I think I always realize that there are some things that science can't explain or just haven't, hasn't been able to explain yet. But yeah, I do have periods in my life where I'm more of a believer in things like extraterrestrials or whatever paranormal things. And then I have periods in my life where I'm kind of like, eh, I'm not so sure about that. Yeah. I am a bit of a like skeptical believer. I would like to think that there are, you know, ghosts and things like that. And I am interested in it and like past lives and things like that. Oh, the past life episode of the X-Files is another one I really like. (laughs) Mm. Oh yeah. 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 I'm, I'm skeptical, but I like to think that there's more than what we can see. 
I think I'm the same. Yeah. Cool. Well, should we get into the episodes that we watched? Yeah. Let's do All it. All right. So the first one is Darkness Falls, which is episode 20 from season one, and it aired April 15th, 1994. So I'm going to ask you to put a minute on the clock for me to terribly sum this episode <laughs> up. Okay. I am ready. <laughs> Are you ready? I am ready. All right. Three, two, one, go. There are forest workers, and they're very scared and running around, and then they all vanish. Mulder's telling Scully that they vanish, and they go to Washington State. Yay, that's where I am. <laughs> and they try to investigate, see what happened, and there's a guy who shows up and says that they were taken into the air by these bugs, and they only come out at night, and they're also joined by like a lumber guy who is very skeptical of everything and he basically runs off on his own and gets killed and everybody else is like we need to investigate this and they find that it's from them cutting down an old wood tree that might have been there since there was like a volcanic eruption and these bugs like were radioactive I don't know 10 seconds (laughs) what was that 10 seconds oh uh and they realize that they need to do something to get out of there because they think that it's true and uh, they get attacked in the end. And (laughs) time. And survive. (laughs) Hey! (laughs) You just made it in. Yeah. Uh, Definitely skipped over some stuff, but, you know. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) What are you you supposed to do in a minute anyway? Yeah, exactly. So this is the first episode I ever saw in my seventh grade science class. And I'm guessing that the reason that we saw it was because it takes place in Washington. <laughs> That's so, so cute. My science class was kind of like a general science class. It wasn't like about biology or physics or whatever. It was seventh grade. What do we know about any of that stuff? We're just learning. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> and so we watched a lot of stuff like this. We watched... Um, a movie about Ebola. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> lovely. This, this episode is why I never watched The X-Files again until I was out of college. Oh, well, <laughs> it's pretty freaky. And I, I don't know if you want to go like through the plot or what, but I mean, I'm just going to say right now, those cocoons and those like basically mummified people in those co- cocoons is terrifying. So yeah, I get it. There are so many bugs. Okay, so... Just jumping back real quick. Yes. The bugs. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The most 90s animation possible. They're just like green pixels. (laughs) Yeah. And I actually, um, you know, looked a little bit into that and they were computer generated, of course. Yeah. (laughs) And added in the post-production process, of course. But they did have those, they had those, um, close-ups sometimes where you could see that like little individual bugs like really close up and i guess those were some sort of mite that they yeah they look like mites yeah Yeah. that were made to be neon green yes (laughs) gross (laughs) yeah oh there's the scene where the guy from the lumber company is in his like truck and the bugs are coming in but he's not reacting to them for the longest time and then once he is reacting to them he's like you know it's believable but the amount of time that he wasn't reacting is what made it not believable 
Yeah, it's definitely a product of early X-Files time uh where like you go back and watch the pilot for example and sometimes you're like wow this is awkward because it's the very first episode they did and i think that that doesn't super go away even by the end of season one it takes them a few seasons like at least three seasons to like sort of get their stride so yeah so you were saying before we recorded started recording that you like to talk about really like 90s things obviously because that's what your Mm -hmm. podcast is about uh scully's outfit both outfits both outfits uh <laughs> i just this is like one of the most iconic scully outfits like if you ever look online and you see people doing like fan art or putting memes together there's always a scully in this like in her sort of neon purple blue pink whatever jacket and yeah. her bangs and her hair pulled back and her <laughs> hair is like there's that scene where she cuts they like lift scully up on like the pulley thing and uh she's like cutting the cocoon open the, the gross cocoon and her hair is like super wet because it's in it's filmed in vancouver um but set in washington and both of those places so much rain as you know so it's just raining and raining and raining um and then later i guess maybe like the next day in the episode i'm not sure she her hair is like is dry again but it's so fluffy and like her bangs (laughs) are like they're so 90s like the fashion is just yes yeah (laughs) yeah my note about scully's jacket is it's so with a lot of o's early (laughs) 90s yeah i called it periwinkle blue oh that's good i like that yeah and then the next day or whatever i actually don't know how long they were at this camp because they go to this camp where the loggers disappeared from trying to figure out what happened to them. I think like maybe two nights, but I'm not sure. Yeah, something like that. Two or three. Yeah. Um, So one of these other days I wrote, my note says, I literally cannot with what Scully is wearing. It is the biggest denim shirt known to man, (laughs) which is exacerbated by the much smaller black zip up, but unzipped vest that she's wearing over it. Yes. And I have a comment about that, too. They actually put her in uh, larger clothes because Gillian Anderson is a very small person. Like she's petite and they wanted her to not look so small next to David Duchovny. And so they put her in these oversized suits. That's why the shoulder pads are a thing that you always hear about with Scully. Uh, The oversized denim the big hair, like it's all part of that. And they even had, uh, I think it was an apple box, like a crate that they would have her stand on. And they called it the Jilly box because it was like her box that she would stand on to be taller. (laughs) Yep. I think that's one of the like iconic things about the show. Yeah. Yes. Their height difference for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Which it's nine inches, which doesn't seem like a ton, but when you're making a TV show, obviously framing matters and it's makes things difficult. And I was just watching Sex Education, which Julian Anderson is in. It's such a good show, but there's a part where they show her standing in front of a tall man and it is like so obvious how short she is compared to him so yeah yeah so one of the other things that i noticed and this is something that kind of relates to a thing that we talked about last week with buffy the vampire slayer ashley and i talked about mm-hmm. Mulder gets onto the busted radio he fixes it and he says this is a call for help we have an emergency and possible quarantine situation and uh-huh. my note just says not again <laughs> <laughs> Because we watched a Buffy episode where it's the episode Hush, where they all lose their voices. 
And the news is like, there's a quarantine in Sunnyvale. (laughs) That's a great episode. Yeah. And actually, I just, the last episode that we podcasted on Not Another Exiles podcast podcast was an episode in season eight where they have a quarantine. And I'm like, no, no, I'm so over quarantines, not just because (laughs) I am somewhat living in one right now, (laughs) but also just why? Yeah. Yeah. It's much more of a plot device than I ever realized. For sure. And I mean, I get it. It gives you that sort of like ticking clock of like, and it really emphasizes the unknown and the fact that uh, if this gets out of hand, it could be really, really, really bad. And I I get why it's definitely a plot device for sure. But yeah, uh, yep, definitely used a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Something like sort of on that vein about this, uh, I was going to say virus, it's not a virus, it's these like little bugs, but um, we get some really classic Mulder and Scully back and forth where, you know, Mulder pitches something and he's like, you know, well, what about this? And then Scully's like, well, that isn't possible. It would take many, many years to evolve or whatever. And then Mulder's like, well, what about this ancient insect eggs, you know, and then (laughs) Scully's just like, what? Like, it was very classic and I really loved going back and watching that because I don't get that as much anymore in season eight so it was fun and uh we get Scully being like super nerdy about insects and super scientific which I always love (laughs) it's just so classic and um I can really appreciate that I like how they talked about in an amoeba that they discovered at Spirit Lake after Mount St. Helens erupted. Yes. A, because I just love anything that references my state. Yeah. And B, what? (laughs) I have (laughs) never heard of this and I was going to fact check it, but. (laughs) Mm, It might not be real. I don't know that for a fact, but (laughs) it sounds pretty (laughs) far-fetched. Yeah. But who knows? And... He also, just thinking about Mulder, he does this very, like, typical Mulder thing where he makes a very split-second decision to trust the guy who's uh, apparently an eco-terrorist. Yes. Yes. And he has the last of the camp's gasoline, and I guess he's supposed to go and get more gasoline, I think is what it is. And so he leaves, and he's somebody who um, has sabotaged equipment, so he could be a murderer or an attempted murderer. Um, He apparently has not done things that are super kosher. And Mulder's like, eh, that's okay, we'll just trust him. (laughs) And I'm like, this is very Mulder. This is is something that he does. Um, I don't know. It's interesting because it saves, it basically saves the team. Yeah. And Scully got mad. Look, I think we both have a pretty good idea what happened to those loggers and what happened to the group in 1934. I only found one cocoon. It's a very big forest. Look, Scully, what would you have done? You mean, would I have made a decision by myself that would have affected the whole group? Oh, will you cut the sanctimonious crap? What do you want me to say? Let's face it, Mulder, we might die up here. If we're lucky, they'll find our bodies spun up in a tree or they may not find us at all. You're right. And we're wasting time arguing about it. I feel like this is just, I want to say that that kind of Mulder, what am I trying to say, action, I guess, is just, just doesn't go away. That's just who he is. That's what he does. He thinks, like, he just, in a split second, will make a decision and run with it. And often, we call it the Mulder ditch, he'll often just leave Scully in the dust to just sort of, like, pick up the pieces and kind of, like, <laughs> keep things under control and do her science. You know, it's, it's a very typical Mulder thing. <laughs> That happens uh, a lot in the next one. 
Yes, that's, that's, <laughs> that is correct. Yes. Oh, the next one is so good. Um, but actually, this Darkness Falls is a really good episode, too. It's very classic. Yeah, it's one that ends kind of not on a cliffhanger, but like they don't exactly know what's going to happen. So yeah. after they get attacked by the bugs themselves, I don't know how they don't die. They almost die, I guess. I don't but know either. <laughs> <laughs> they go to this like high containment facility in Winthrop, which is pretty far from here, but you know, still in Washington. Okay. <laughs> and the science doctor guy is talking to Mulder and mm -hmm. Mulder asks like, what if they migrate? And they're like, we have procedures. Yeah. And then Mulder's just like, um, but what if it doesn't work? <laughs> I know, I know. And he just basically is left to, that, that's what he's left with. That's it. And yep. doesn't he say something, the the medical guy or whatever, like we're basically going to burn down the forest, I think is what he said, and use like chemicals and stuff. It's like, great. He said they're going to use controlled burns and pesticides. Right. right, exactly. Yes. And I'm like, that doesn't sound super great, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you have to kill it, but sure. Uh, there's actually, um, so what happens right before that is the generator goes out and Spinny, I realize is his name, the eco-terrorist. He comes in a Jeep and he's all panicked and his friends are all dead. And um, they get in the Jeep and they're trying to leave the forest and um the jeep like hits something i think and it breaks down or the tire goes they or something drove over some spikes that the eco terrorists left that's right that's right and so uh then spinny is killed by the bugs and like you said don't know why Mulder and Scully survive, but they do. And we have this amazing, like, green transition. It does this, like, green fade to yeah. <laughs> Scully and Mulder being in this, like, quarantine facility. Uh, and I just was like, that is just so good. <laughs> so 90s. Fade to neon green. Yes. I love it so much. <laughs> uh, this, this episode has very classic 90s production. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Well, should we rate the episode? Sure. All right. Um, I can go first, just kind of show you how we do things here. Okay. <laughs> so obviously this is a episode that I have an actual 90s connection with, having watched it in 97 or 98 in school. And I've remembered it since then. I mean, I have watched it several times since, but it's one that I think is... Like you said, very 90s, but it's not 90s in a 90s technology way, which is the way some other 90s or which is a way some other season one X-Files episodes are. Mm, that's this true. one is more in the production, the way yeah. it's 90s and then yeah. like the clothes. Yeah. And so I find that entertaining because it's <laughs> like the little green pixels. It's just so funny. Yes. So fun to make fun of. Yes. And it does have a good story. I think it's one that is scientific because it's bugs. <laughs> it's not a paranormal thing. And so I think both Mulder and Scully kind of get somewhat on the same page about what's going on, which is nice, even though they go about it from different perspectives. Mm -hmm. So... And like you said, it has some pretty classic um, interaction between them, the way they yeah. interact. Yeah. So I'm going to give this one four denim shirts out of five. Nice. Oversized denim shirts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oversized giant 
Yeah, I think that your assessment is very accurate, in my opinion. Um, I do think that some of the technology stuff was pretty, like, pretty 90s. But uh, like you said, sort of the production and the editing and the technology, it all comes together to make this, like, classically 90s X-Files season one episode that, like, you also said, I will never forget. It's always going to be one that like when somebody says the name Darkness Falls, it's like, yes, actually <laughs> the other day, somebody was like, I was watching a video or something and somebody was like telling a story. I don't remember, but somebody said Darkness Falls. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> like X-Files image right in my head right away. And it had nothing to do with X-Files. So, green bugs. <laughs> green bugs right in my head. So that tells you how, what an impression it's made on me. <laughs> um, so... This is something we didn't talk about, uh, but I'm going to give it four out of five uh, nice trips to the forest because <laughs> yes. that's what Mulder says to, to Scully in the beginning when he's yep. kind of like trying to convince her to, to go. <laughs> yeah. And at the end, he's like, I promised her a nice trip to the forest. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. It's good. Yeah. Great. Well, before we talk about the next episode... I do have to give the Scrubs connection since Drew is not here. Okay. It is my duty as his co-host. Awesome. I'm <laughs> glad you're taking the baton. Yes. So one of the main actors on Scrubs is Ken Jenkins, who plays Dr. Kelso. And he was also on an episode of The X-Files. He was in season eight, episode 11, Medusa, and he played a character named Deputy Chief Karras or Karras, K-A-R-R-A-S. I think it was Karras, but I don't know. Uh, we just covered that episode on our podcast and it was one where it was like, you know, not my favorite, but it was decent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's It uh, takes place in Boston, which was like I uh, used to live in Boston when I was younger. So it was like oh. kind of a nice nostalgia thing for me. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. The... IMDb description is very brief. It says, Doggett takes to the Boston subways to try to figure out where a deadly agent that is killing citizens is coming from. That is a poorly written sentence. <laughs> <laughs> the IMDb descriptions are not always great. <laughs> it ends with from. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, doesn't Drew, does he teach English? He used to teach English and now he teaches marketing. Okay, I was going to say that he might have something to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, he might, but I don't think he actually cares. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that is the Scrubs connection. Awesome. Um, the next episode that we are going to talk about, the final episode we're talking about, is Bad Blood, which mm -hmm. is episode 12 from season five, and it aired February 22nd, 1998 classic episode so i am going to time you this time oh my goodness i'm so nervous okay are you ready yes all right three two one go so in this episode we see that fox Mulder has uh killed somebody who he believes is a vampire um and uh they have to make an uh, uh he and scully have to make a report to assistant director skinner and they want to make sure that they have their story straight. So a big part of this episode or like the thing of this episode is that they tell their own versions of the story of how it went down. And they are uh, the sort of um, events are the same, but the telling of the story is different. So uh, we'll get more into that. But um, 
for example, I'll give a, I'll give an example. There's a sheriff in Texas where they go and uh, Scully in Scully's story, she finds him very attractive. And in Mulder's story, he's very ugly anyway. So um, shoot, uh, Scully figures out that there is poison in pizza and that it's happening. Uh, there's, these people are being poisoned because the poison in the pizza is being delivered by this boy who uh, <laughs> that is, is the, the one time. <laughs> that Mulder killed. Dang, this is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> uh, okay there was so much more to say even with practice i can't do it so <laughs> <sighs> so basically but yes yeah. this this is hopefully well not hopefully this is them succeeding in doing better than the other vampire episode that you mentioned oh this one's so much better this is like one of the literal best episodes of the entire yep. show i agree <laughs> i agree it's definitely in my top five yeah, yeah, I I think it's either my top one or two. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I well, think it's my top my top. Okay, yeah, I could see that. It's it's really good. It's it's really hard for me to pick a top like number one because yeah. there are a few that I really like. So, yeah, but this sh- episode is just so funny because, like you said, they have these very different perspectives on what happened, mm-hmm. despite the fact that they are basically talking about the same things. Like they weren't always together during all of the events, Mm -hmm. but the way that they talk about what the other person did and like the way they talked or something like at the very beginning, Scully is like, you were characteristically exuberant and it cuts (laughs) to him going, yeehaw. Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) They, they did a lot of really amazing things with cuts, with like cutting back and forth and cinematography and um, storytelling. It's just so good. And um, like you were saying, there are two different stories that are uh, similar, but told in different ways. And I think it's really interesting that at the very beginning, as always, they have the credits and then it says the truth is out there. And I'm like, but whose truth? Oh. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just like you said, the dynamic between the two of them is just so great in this episode. And um, it's kind of a time when X-Files was still like light and playful. And uh, sorry, what season is this now again? Five. Five. Yeah. So it's been a few seasons, but like I said, they've kind of started to get their stride or they really have at this point. And Jillian and David are just like amazing together and they're having a lot of fun playing Mulder and Scully. And I'm looking at season eight that we're talking about on my podcast and Mulder, David Duchovny does not want to be there. Mulder is bitter and angry and it's just so nice to go back and see them be all playful like that. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And they just seem to have a lot of fun with this episode, I think. Yes. Yes. It's one of them where they have a lot of fun. Um, There's a few others like that too, but this is definitely one of them. Yeah. I, was reading a little bit about um, this episode and something that I found really interesting that I'll just talk about really quickly is there was a um, uh, there was a writer named Linda Badley who wrote something called Scully Hits the Glass Ceiling, Postmodernism, Postfeminism, Posthumanism and the X-Files. Um, and something that she said that I found really interesting was that the X-Files is like subverting the concept of the male gaze uh, <laughs> because Instead of sort of like Mulder, sorry, instead of men gazing at women, we have Scully gazing at the sheriff because <laughs> part of their story is that Scully finds him really handsome and Mulder tells the side of his story 
that he's really ugly because in my opinion, cause I, you know, ship them together. He's jealous. Uh, <laughs> and so I thought that was really interesting. And, um, also that, uh, another writer named Michelle Bush, uh, wrote a book called myth X. And she talks about how this episode is like a peek inside Mulder and Scully's heads showing how they see themselves and each other as well as their insecurities and their attractiveness to each other. And I'm like, yes, yes, I'm on board with that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And just like the title Bad Blood can be, you know, the tension between the two characters, because we, you know, when you say bad blood, it means you have some sort of history and negative history or whatever. Um, Right. And I just, yeah, I find it really interesting to see what other people say about the episodes. So those are some things that I probably wouldn't have thought of. Yeah, no, those are good points. Yeah. With the sheriff specifically, he's played by Luke Wilson. So Scully sees him just as normal Luke Wilson. And when Mulder is telling it, he has these like scraggly buck teeth. Yes, (laughs) I love it. And so when Scully's telling her story, she is flirty and she is blushing and that kind of thing. And when Mulder tells the story, the sheriff has the ugly teeth and he and Scully is like obnoxiously like lusting over him. Yeah. And so I think that definitely can show like, oh, there's some jealousy happening here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite parts is when Scully is telling the story and she says that the sheriff said, you really know your stuff, Dana. And Mulder interrupts and says, Dana, he never knew your first name. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, And it's funny because... Mulder never calls Scully Dana. Yeah. I mean, if he ever did, it's like once maybe. So (laughs) yeah, it's a good, uh, definitely a good line there. And there's another good part that's kind of similar where Scully is telling her story and says that they go to the motel or she goes to the the motel and says the Davy Crockett motor court. And then (laughs) Mulder's like, the name of it was actually the Sam Houston motor lodge. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Like they can't even agree on the name, the name of where of they the, stayed. Yeah, exactly. I love it. And there, oh, that, speaking of that motel, there are some great things where, for example, there's the vibrating bed that yeah. the, the magic fingers, I think is what she calls it. Yep. And um, she just does her autopsy on one of the victims and then she goes back to the motel and she's just like tired and she just like wants to lie down and she lies down on the motel on the bed in the motel and she's like shaking because the bed is shaking and Mulder comes and is like you he's covered in something mud or something and you're like okay what's happening and then he's like you have to go back and do another autopsy and she's like I just put my money in the magic fingers (laughs) Yeah, uh, and then she goes back and she's so tired and so disgruntled and she's like weighing the organs she's like heart lung large <laughs> intestine and the intestines are like falling out they, of the they, scale yeah, they just like and... droop out they slowly like yeah. unravel onto the ground <laughs> i love it so much and she's just like <laughs> that's one of the visual jokes that's like one of my favorite visual jokes from the whole show me too me too. I have used that GIF on our podcast social media more times than I want to admit. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very good. A 90s thing I just wanted to quickly call out is, so the whole reason they go is because there were these cows that were originally found exsanguinated and then yes. a person. Yes. And so they're like vampire. Well, Mulder says vampire and 
Scully's like, or satanic cultists. <laughs> and <laughs> the um, other extreme guess. <laughs> yeah. And the person that Mulder kills at the very beginning, thinking that he is a vampire, is the actor who played Ham on The Sandlot, which yes. we just covered on our podcast. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and also there's the scene where, uh, oh shoot, I can't remember who finds him. I think it might be Mulder finds him with his uh, Walkman. I'm trying to remember exactly when that happens, but um, he's listening to a Walkman and he has like music on, maybe he's in, shoot. I didn't write that part down. Unfortunately, I just can't remember exactly where it happens, but uh, Ronnie, who's the boy that we're just talking about, is listening to, I think he's lying in a coffin <laughs> and he's listening to his Walkman, which is just like very, very 90s. Like, oh, so that would be at the very end. Yeah, I think it's towards the end. Exactly. Okay. I mean, Walkmans or Walkmen. Walkmen? Is- I have no idea. <laughs> um, those are very 90s, obviously. Yes. Some of the other things that Mulder and Scully can't agree on are like when Scully goes back to the motel after realizing that there was something in the pizza. Yeah. That was the drug. Um, yeah. I think it's basically like the date rape drug or something. Yeah. Chlorohydrate. Knockout yeah. drops is what they called them. <laughs> yeah. Chlorohydrate. Yeah. Like Ronnie pops up and Scully immediately fires at him. Yeah. And she like, she's like, I fired four times and I missed and he ran out and then you ran after him and staked him or whatever and he's like no you hit him twice and then he leapt over the bed (laughs) yeah they like flew over the bed (laughs) yeah they can't even agree on like what they saw together at the same time which and everything you just described is something that you would think would stick out in your mind better (laughs) i don't know uh i also love the part where uh scully Mulder comes to the room and he's like, you have to go do another autopsy. And I think in Scully's version, she's just like, she's whiny, right? She's like, oh, but I just put money in the magic fingers. But she's like, okay, I'll do it for you or whatever. I can't remember exactly what she says. But in Mulder's version. I had the sheriff drop me at the motel, which is where I ran into you. What do you mean you want me to do another autopsy? Why do I have to do it right now? I just spent hours on my feet doing an autopsy all for you. I do it all for you, Mulder. You know, I haven't eaten since 6 o'clock this morning, and all that was was half of a cream cheese bagel, and it wasn't even real cream cheese. It was light cream cheese. And now you want me to run off and do another autopsy? What the hell happened to you? Finally, you left. Don't you touch that bed. I also love him on the bed as it's vibrating, trying to eat the pizza. <laughs> yeah. That cream cheese line is one of my favorites. Too. I love it so much. And I love how fast she says it. It's just like bang, bang, bang. She gets the line out. And it's so good. <laughs> yes. There's also that part where uh, they they go to the RV park. I'm trying to remember why they go to the RV park. For some reason, I'm blanking the, on that. They go to the RV park because somebody called in a runaway RV that was just going in circles. They called oh, it into the cop or right, to the okay. sheriff. Yeah, because he also goes back there to look for evidence later again. So I was just mixing up the timeline in my head. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's the runaway RV. And I was just like, okay, how did they do that? I just wanted to know. And on Wikipedia, it tells you that the uh, 
out-of-control RV was created by the show's special effects coordinator, David Gautier, I think you say, is how you say it. And basically, they put a second steering wheel so that, like, I think it was the on the back of the RV so that a stunt driver could steer the car in the back and not be seen by the camera. Oh. And huh. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> that is not how I thought it would have been done, but that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I kind of thought that it would just be somebody driving the RV, but uh, I yeah. guess not. They just have to go that <laughs> extra step. Yeah. yeah. And that RV thing is kind of another thing that they not disagree on, but like their stories are a little bit different. Like yeah. he's telling his story and she's like, OK, so you shot out the tires. Yeah. And then what happened? Why are you looking like that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> He says, skipping ahead. Why skip ahead? What happened then? You shot out the tires and? And then he's like, shooting out tires is hard. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that RV scene where he's uh, like on the back of the RV is pretty great. Yeah. He tries yeah. to grab onto the RV, yeah. but gets dragged. Yeah, he just gets dragged around and I love it. That's the thing about this episode is like the storytelling is like it's 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 unclear sometimes and that's the beauty of it <laughs> yeah also uh just on special effects um something else i found interesting was that the glowing green eyes of the vampires i always thought it was like contacts but apparently they just glued fluorescent material to the actor's eyelids so they had their eyes closed whenever oh. you would see the green eyes and so they couldn't see anything so there's the part where Mulder gets like surrounded at the RV park i think it's the RV park at all the uh, yeah. with all the the vampires with the green eyes but it kind of makes them look like zombies instead of vampires because they can't see anything so they're all kind of just like <laughs> coming together slowly and they kind of look vacant because they don't actually have their eyes open the actors don't actually have their eyes open so wow i didn't know that yeah i thought that was pretty funny <laughs> and this was after they came back to the town because Mulder had killed ronnie yeah and then they had to defend it because the FBI was being sued for $446 million. Yes. <laughs> and, Very specific number. <laughs> and then the coroner was found attacked and right. Ronnie was gone. So they went back to the town to investigate and stake out the cemetery. I mean, stake out, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, Scully was with the sheriff who turns out to be a vampire. Yep. And drugs her tea or something. And Mulder finds Ronnie at the RV park. And yeah. they all get ganged up on. But yeah. the next day, neither of them are dead. Neither of them have nope. been even attacked. They just, like, wake up after, I guess, being drugged. Yep. It's a pretty classic X-Files thing where we don't get an answer. And yeah. <laughs> we're kind of just left to, I don't know, assume whatever we want. <laughs> which like isn't always a bad thing sometimes it's kind of fun to be able to like think oh what happened you know or like what is the possibility here but the x-files does it so much that you get to the point where you're like are we ever going to get any answers the answer to that question is no <laughs> spoiler alert they kind of address that at the end where Skinner says, that's it. They vanished without a trace. Yep. And that's the way it happened from start to finish. Yep. And they're like, that is essentially exactly the way it happened. Essentially. essentially. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then it like cuts to black. And then you hear Mulder say, except for the part about the buck teeth. Yes. Uh, love it. 
Yes. It's a great episode. Uh, if you all have not seen it, you really should. It's a really good standalone one. I was just about to say that. Like, if you don't want to watch the rest of the series, just watch that one. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. It's not scary at all. No. It's just very good Mulder and Scully dynamics. Yeah. And yeah. And even like the music is awesome. The um, Mark Snow is the person who does the score on the X-Files and his music choices are really great and they really heighten the comedy and it's just really good. <laughs> Nice. Well, yeah. do you want to rate this one first? Sure. Let's do it. Uh, I'm going to give it five out of five because I just love this episode so much. Uh, five out of five light cream cheese smeared bagels. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> Any particular reasons? Do you want to go into oh, that? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I just think that it's a very well-written episode. It's a great standalone. It really shows, in a way, it shows Mulder and Scully's relationship in a really, uh, like it really shows their relationship. Sorry, I'm not saying that right. But <laughs> in another way, it kind of doesn't because we have these two stories that don't really match up, but kind of match up essentially exactly and uh <laughs> it's just um it's just so charming and funny and i've seen this episode i don't even know how many times and i still laugh out loud every time i watch it so it's just yeah it's just one of my favorites i laugh out loud too my literal last note after the whole buck teeth thing yeah. is ha 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 love it yeah, so yeah. I am also going to give this five out of five. I'm going to go with five out of five buck teeth. Awesome. You gotta. Five <laughs> buck teeth. <laughs> and I just love this one because, A, it's so funny. Like I said, the funny ones are the ones I'm most drawn to, especially for watching multiple times mm -hmm. because there are times when I just want to watch The X-Files, but I don't want to go through the whole mythology thing. So oh, I just kind of go to the ones that I know pretty well that really entertain me. So like this one and Triangle and the one where he switches bodies with the guy in Area 51. Dreamland 1 and 2, they're yes, so, yes. so good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, man. I almost <laughs> wish we had talked about those episodes just because I'm, like, remembering moments from it. Just, oh, yeah. so good. So there are those, like, few episodes that I just know that I can put on and be entertained, whether I want to watch them or just have them on in the background. And it shows the relationship between Mulder and Scully just so different than most other episodes yeah because we do see how they view each other yeah and it's so different from what we see on a week-to-week -week basis with this show yeah because everything is like amped up so much or tamped down depending on who it is and totally neither of them are necessarily telling an objective truth and yeah. it's just very interesting to watch so yeah. it's an amazing episode it's one that if you haven't watched the x-files this is maybe a good one to start with just to kind of see what's going on totally and um you're the one who suggested the two episodes because we were kind of like which ones should we cover that would be really like exemplary of the show and you were like how about darkness falls and bad blood and i was like great because <laughs> it gives me an excuse to go back and watch two really excellent episodes and yeah it's hard to do the alien ones because they are part of the mythology and so there's oh, just yeah. so much like preamble and like 
context that you need to talk about those episodes. So doing these kind of standalone Monster of the Week ones seems like a good option. You can't just take a Myth Arc one and pull it out and just watch it and enjoy it for what it is. And it's getting to the point where when we have Myth Arc episodes and we're even in season eight, like we go back to what happened on the last Myth Arc episode because it's probably been a few episodes since we've had a Myth Arc episode whenever we're talking about one. So it's just like so convoluted that we have to go back and be like, okay, wait, what was happening again? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cool. This was fun. (laughs) Yeah. Do you want to let people know where they can find you online? Yeah. So if you want to listen to my X-Files podcast, it's called Not Another X-Files Podcast Podcast. And we are all over the interwebs at Not Another XF Pod. You can literally go into Google and type in Not Another XF Pod and we'll come up on all the things. Uh, And if you want to listen to the uh, podcast. We are on all the podcast platforms. Usually what happens is you start typing in not another X and then we come up. <laughs> so just look for that and you'll find us. Nice. Yeah. And for us, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TFGIF podcast. And you can also send us an email. We love getting those at TFGIF podcast at gmail.com and share what you remember loving about 90s TV as well. Maybe you also loved the X-Files. Maybe you hated it. Maybe you were afraid of it like (laughs) I was when I was a kid. (laughs) Maybe all of the above. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe you hated it and then grew to love it. (laughs) Or loved it and then grew to hate it, which is... (laughs) That is also a possibility, but I hope less common. Yes. I just think that people are like yeah season eight and nine mer, you know the the diehard <laughs> yes. fans um i am one of those people <laughs> <laughs> me too like i said we're covering season eight i'm liking it more now as an adult but yeah, yeah. and if you could give us a five-star rating on apple that would be a huge help to us towards gaining more exposure and if you have an extra minute maybe two you can also write us a review and we'll read it on a future episode and yeah, we have do it. one do it <laughs> And we have one this week from Savage Jordan. It's titled 90s Nostalgia. And they say, this is amazing. This whole podcast is amazing for 90s nostalgia, especially during this time, which, yes, right now, podcasts are a great thing to listen to in these like self-isolation, social distancing, quarantine times. We need quarantainment. Definitely. Go binge (laughs) the 90s things on Netflix or wherever you get your stuff and then come and listen to the podcast. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Vanessa, it was so great to have you on the podcast. I'm so glad that we could make this work. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. And um, yeah, everyone should go listen to Vanessa's podcast and maybe especially the episode that I was on. Yes. Yes, please do. Hollywood AD is the one you were on. And it was a lot of fun having you on for that one. And that episode is also a lot of fun. Like the X-Files episode itself was a lot of fun. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Well, next week or in two weeks, I will have another guest to talk about another 90s drama. But until then, bye. Bye.